Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back, everybody. Yep, it's great to be with you here again. And before we dive into our topic today, we want to just let you know that we have a free course available for download that we've created. It's called The First Steps of Rebuilding Trust. And it's a, a several videos that will give you an introduction on how to start the process of rebuilding trust. So if you're the betrayed partner, there's stuff in there for you. If you've broken the trust, there's support there and stuff for the couple as well. And then there's some other details around how to build healthy relationship, even sexual intimacy after broken trust. There's just a lot of great information in there and it's available totally for free. If you will go to the show notes, there's a link in there you can click and it will take you right to a page where you can put in your information and we'll send it to you. So hopefully that'll be a great resource for you. Yeah. Well, so today we're going to talk all about the problem of acting needless and wantless. And we say acting on purpose because Nobody is needless and wantless, but sometimes we like to believe that about ourselves because it just makes us so low maintenance. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to be high maintenance. Yeah. I mean, maybe some people do, but yeah. I think in general, most of us want to act like, and I think American culture to a large degree supports the idea of somebody who just doesn't really need anything or need other people, like the lone wolf kind mm. of like, I'm just, you know, I'm unaffected. I'm untouched by things. I don't have needs. I'm you know, I'm not attached to that. Like you just kind of- Unattached. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of pressure to act like if you need something, you're clingy, dependent, you know, insecure, things like that. Yeah. So, so I think we get seduced into believing that somehow it's better to be needless and wantless. Yes. In one respect, yes. I do think also a lot of people grow up with just not being able to rely on somebody yeah, and for so sure. it's just part of the mm -hmm. the wallpaper of their life is I'm on my own, right? So I'm not, I don't rely on anybody because I'm the one I can count on. Oh my gosh, so true. Yeah, now as we were thinking about this, we were just trying to come up with like, what are some of the ways that acting needless and wantless show up in your life? And I, the one that came to my mind first, which is maybe something you can relate to, um, if you've ever been in an argument with somebody, whether it's with your parent as a kid or with your spouse or even like a friend where you're just kind of like, you know, fine, I'll do it myself, or I don't need you, where you just get reactive and act like, you know, that you don't need anything from this other person or that you can just be fine, totally on your own, totally cut off. And like, but it's, it's coming from a very reactive place of uh -huh. wanting something, but not being able to get it or whatever. So that's one place sure. I think it shows up kind of in a reactive way like that. Yeah. And yeah. then the one you said, you know, sometimes you grow up in an environment where counting on somebody else is just not an option. Yeah, right. 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 So it's not necessarily a reaction. Uh -uh. It's just learned like over belief. time. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, what? I'm not on my own? <laughs> yeah, it's just the conditions. It's like, oh, yeah, sorry, you don't get to have needs or wants. That's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's not even spoken. I mean, some, there are some cases where I've, you know, somebody basically just says, like, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to be there for you or I don't care or whatever. I mean, that, that has happened. But like most people, it's just like they're just not showing up for you. Yeah. 
whether that's as a parent uh, for a child who grows up in a home like uh-huh. that or a spouse where it's just like uh-huh. they're so self-absorbed or they're so preoccupied with their other stuff or whatever that you're on your own. Yeah. So you have to sort of survive in yeah. that place. Yeah. And then this this other one that we also wrote down was Oh yeah. When <laughs> when I ask for something I need, it makes things worse. I get punished. <laughs> I get punished. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. That, yeah, it could be that overt. Yeah, and that that's a challenging one because it's like you're at the height of your vulnerability of taking this risk of asking for what you need, whether you're a child or in a marriage or as uh-huh. a friendship and the other person's just like, yeah, I, m- I remember years ago opening up to a friend or someone I, I thought was a friend. Uh-huh. I went to lunch uh, with with this friend of mine and opened up about a lot of personal stuff in my life and just was you know looking for some support and just wanting to talk through some things. And I remember he looked at me and he was just like, oh yeah, wow, that's that's pretty tough. And like, that was about it. And then like after lunch, he never called me, like never followed up when I reached out, like it was over. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. That reinforces this belief I have that I should be needless and wantless. Right, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, when Cause, we, cause yeah. You, I mean, when you did that, that wasn't like a regular thing no. that you would do. No. You were going way out on a limb. Right. And looking for just some support from a friend. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, that didn't turn out to be a very good friend. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not what you were hoping for. No, that was that was pa- pretty painful. And, and it yeah. really did, though, reinforce, like, yeah, don't stick your neck out. Don't, you know. And that was a long time ago, but I, but I do remember it reinforcing that belief mm-hmm. that really kind of came really naturally to me. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't need or want anything. I mean, it was so strong for me when I was younger. I remember going to the hospital and oh, do you remember this? You've told me this. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going to the hospital apologizing to the nurses that they had to take care of me. I mean, that's coming from a place where I really believed I was needless and wantless, like I shouldn't need anything. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty extreme when you have somebody who's not only getting paid to take care of you, <laughs> but like they're an actual nurse who are trained to, t- I mean, that's like, that's their whole existence is to take care of their patients. And I was like, I'm so sorry you have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something that we all come by pretty innocently naturally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't, in all of the various forms, our culture does not support a lot of vulnerability. Right. And I think right. that strides are being made. It's getting better. In in that regard. But mm-hmm. for the most part, not many people have a lot of experience of just being able to freely express what they mm-hmm. need and ask for it and, right. and receive it in healthy ways that, you know, encourage bonding and it's just a dicey yeah. arena and vulnerability is hard. Yeah. And it's, it, it is hard. I mean, it, you know, in our, in our, our faith culture, there's our religious culture there, you know, everybody loves to be the one giving, but oh, nobody loves you're to You're not be, vulnerable when you're giving. But having needs and having wants, uh-huh. you know, we'd rather pretend that that's not us. Right. I don't need anything. I don't want anything. I'm fine. No. I'm fine. What, what can I do for you? You know? Yeah. It's just a really yeah. natural thing to push back on that. But- but I, it is healthy to have needs yes. and wants. And I think it's a learned it's thing. human. Yeah. And I think it's a learned thing to act needless and wantless. For sure. I don't think, I mean, I think about, you know, babies when, when we're born as oh, babies. Yeah. Babies are a hundred percent confident that they're going to get their needs met. Well, yeah. They don't know any different. Yeah. And they- It's all reflex. They ask in the only ways they know, which mm-hmm. is crying. Moving their arms and, and legs. Uh-huh. I swear our children made their eyes bigger to pull us in. I don't know. Just 
you just babies are just hardwired to expect their needs to get met. It's their survival, and so we uh-huh. we don't start off. You know, obviously, babies can't consciously be aware of what they're asking for, but it, it is so it is so instinctive for us just to expect that our needs will get met. But somewhere along the line, mm-hmm. we learn that that's not going to work for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, and that you know, yeah, and that's there's just a lot of pain with that. That's hard for just for a person to believe at any point along the line that who I am and what I need, there's no room. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said earlier, Jody, there's there's a lot of places where this can happen. You know, there's there's obviously family systems where, you know, kids grow up and mom and dad are or are, aren't even there. They could even be in a, a single parent home or being raised by other people that aren't their parents. Mm-hmm. And they just could, there could be overwhelmed parents, distracted mm-hmm. parents, addicted parents. There could be so many scenarios where the child learns at some point that they're not going to be able to count on anybody looking out for their needs. And mm-hmm. so instead of trying to like advocate more for getting their needs met, they just start to believe that maybe my needs don't matter or what I want doesn't matter. And so that can happen. Trauma is a huge one mm-hmm. when you're overpowered in trauma, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, any kind of trauma, like again, abandonment was the first one we just talked about. You can develop like an identity around not being worthy enough to have needs or wants. So you just mm-hmm. learn it's about everybody else. Everybody else has the power, not me. Mm-hmm. And any other ones that other places where you see that coming up in your experience, as far as where we believe or start to develop this idea that we have to be needless and wantless? Well, I think in some ways, in our culture, it is socialized for women. Mm. So, so true. So that women yeah. are supposed to, you know, I mean, girls learn from a really young age that they're reinforced for taking care of other people, for being aware of needs and taking care of needs, but not necessarily reinforced for expressing need. Mm. Um, right. So I think that is sometimes cultures like this can reinforce that kind of behavior so that girls from a young age learn to just tune out of their own sense of what they need and they don't ask for it. They don't even recognize it. They just are, they get reinforced by paying attention to what you need and making sure you get that. Yeah. And even have it mislabeled as selfishness or- If they look- If they advocate for their own needs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So feeling guilty for taking some time to themselves or- Mm -hmm saying no to something. And right. And so a lot of the times those, you know, advocating for their own needs and wants can get turned back on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, yeah. So I think those are some great examples. It's probably not an exhaustive list. Oh, heavens no. Yeah. And so if, if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I have a hard time asking or believing that what I need or want matters. Or even knowing, being I, able to identify what you need and want. Yeah. I think that there's, a lot of people maybe believe or worry that that you have to go on some witch hunt and blame the person who, you know, that's not the whole proposition here. This is mm-hmm. really about you understanding how you're wired and how you think. Because at some point, at some point you learned that this wasn't okay. So if you don't, if you're listening to this and you're like, no, I have no problem asking for what I need and want. Great. Yeah. yeah. You're not who we're talking to. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. And that's wonderful. And hopefully other people can see your example and feel empowered to ask for what they need and expect that just, you know, to have a place at the table. But yeah, for so many people, it's like this. So I, I think about, yeah, go ahead, Jody. Well, there just is a freedom. Yeah. 
in knowing, just knowing at all mm-hmm. what you need and want. Yeah. And it's, that's a big step to even just be able to recognize that in your own life. Yeah. And when you have messages in your, in your head that contradict that, it can make it hard to even see it for what it is. Right. But there is so much freedom in being able to say, yeah, this is something I really like. This is a preference that I have. Or, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really sick right now. I need some help mm-hmm. or I'm feeling overwhelmed or, you know, whatever the case may be, I need some support and to be able to ask for it. That can feel so monumental. Right. Especially when for much of this audience, there's not a real strong history of being able to recognize and ask for and even see, be rewarded for doing so. But it matters. It really right. matters. And I'm trying to, I'm struggling a little bit for words to just talk around how important it is to being a person to have needs and wants. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that the whole pandemic, I think for a lot of us, because we were so isolated from each other and from community, it really brought into sharp focus how much we do need and want connection, community, that like, you know, our needs and wants do matter. The isolation and disconnection and so many things changed that I feel like in a lot of ways that created a lot of suffering where, where we weren't able to sort of get our regular needs. Like our regular routines were so disrupted mm-hmm. of how we normally just handled things or our independence uh-huh. and stuff like that. It all just kind of changed and we had to rely on other people or communicate more. I mean, there was so much of that I saw happening both in my practice and in my own relationships. But I, I love what you're saying. Like really just making peace with that is so critical. As you were saying that, I was thinking of that song, Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I would encourage you just to pull it up and listen to it and see how you feel, like the message of that song. And I'm not going to quote all the lyrics here, but the, but the message, of course, is that, you know, we're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Like, we yeah. feel something in that. It feels so deeply true. Well, and then it won't be long till right. I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that that is just such a, such a universal message. And to resist that, I think, creates more suffering. Mm-hmm. And well, and, and to resist that keeps us from true intimacy. Yeah. Right. So that's another place I wanted to go with this, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, is that so many people I work with over the years with, who deal with, with addictions and even trauma. Again, a lot of these things, we'll just talk about addiction for one. It is a maladaptive way to get your needs met without having to actually risk anything. Sure. Right. Sure. So to say like, well, I don't need anything but I'm going to, in secret, go do this risky behavior, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, spending money or whatever. I'm going to go do this thing because my real need is coming out in this sideways, unhealthy behavior. So much of long-term recovery for people struggling from addictions is about, for the first time, being direct about their needs, about identifying and understanding and asking it's so interesting because on the surface, they look so selfish. It's like, well, you're getting all your needs met. Look at all, you know, you're spending all this money or you're having all this sex or you're just whatever. But the truth is, is that they've actually not been asking for what they really need. Right. They've been believing that they couldn't want or need something from another person. They would just go solo and take care of it on their own in secret. Yeah. Wow. And so, so much of the work of recovery is about learning how to find that voice of saying, I need this. 
And that is so scary. Like my example with this guy I went to lunch with. So scary. I mean, that is like, and yeah. Yeah. So scary because for most people, it doesn't go well. No. Oftentimes it doesn't go well. A lot of people don't handle our needs and wants very well. Mm -hmm. That is true. But in a close relationship, we can learn how to do that well for each other. Yes. Right. And that's why we care so much about helping people in relationship recovery. Yes. And helping like marriages and families learn how to do this stuff because who cares if the rest of the world stinks at meeting your needs or they don't care or they're yeah. indifferent, which is largely true. Most people yeah. are looking out for themselves, but in the safety of a safe primary attachment bond, I just got to say that was absolutely amazing. You guys don't know this, but Jody just sneezed. That was crazy. I worked really hard to keep that quiet. You just got to rewind 10 seconds and see if you can hear it. That was crazy. No, it was silent. It was silent. It was totally silent. Anyway, but in... if you want to go check out the video, you can so see. So we now have a free course on seizing in silence from Jody. <laughs> that should be a master maybe, class. Maybe I should have just said, excuse me, I need to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Look at you acting needless and sneezeless. But that is like the work of close relationships is to be seen and to have needs and wants and to allow someone and trust that someone will care and respond. And that is scary, difficult, challenging work. But to me, when it's working, oh man, it is one of the sweetest things in life. It is. So it is worth the effort in small steps to work toward that with somebody and build the kind of intimacy and trust where you can have that with each other. Yeah. I mean, it's not smart to go there and ask it of somebody who you can't trust. Right. Somebody who w isn't there for you and Right. You know, so like I never went back to lunch to with this person and yeah, you know, it was clear that this was not going to be a long-term supportive relationship, but like you and I in 26 years of marriage and with our kids, we've tried to create a culture where if we miss the need or if, if it doesn't go well, or we face plant and it doesn't, you know, we keep coming back, we keep trying. And, you know, in a previous episode, we talked about these micro adjustments, like mm -hmm. this is all about elevating our own voices and being able to say, Hey, this really matters to me. And can you yeah. care about that? And then mm -hmm. when the other person is like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's, care. let's mm -hmm. align here. And that's a very sweet experience to have that work. Yeah. But it doesn't work if one, you act like you don't need anything and yeah. that you're just so chill and like nothing affects, like that's impossible, first of all, all mm -hmm. of us have needs. Mm -hmm. But secondly, then taking the risk to actually yeah. try it. Yeah. And it's scary. It is scary. It takes some courage to and on the trauma end that. if you've been burned by somebody if you've been betrayed and and you're starting to put a little trust in them and asking for your needs to be met everything from hey can you remember to pick up the kids and if they've been flaky uh-huh to i want to get close to you and have a conversation don't get distracted please to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there can be so many variations of this as we reach out and start taking risks with each, with each other yeah yeah so this is the stuff we're talking about in our Connection Plus community. Oh, yeah. This and so much more. Yep. And so, yeah. We'd love to see you in Connection Plus. We want you to come join us. Every month we we'll cover different topics like this, and we read books about it. We, we have live discussions about it. Expert uh, interviews with people that mm -hmm. have written books and specialize in the different topics. Mm -hmm. We have a community forum where we're chatting about things. There's plenty of room 
space for you to ask questions and continue deepening your own recovery work. So we hope that you'll come and join us in there. We're spending a lot of time in there. Yeah, it's a unique community because we're we're involved in it. We're not, it's just not some place you sign on and just get a bunch of content and then it's just crickets. Like we're, we're mm-hmm. interactive and want to help guide you along the way. So yeah, like yeah. Jody said, it's connectionpluscommunity.com and we'd love to see you inside there. But thanks again for joining us every single week here on From Crisis to Connection. Mm-hmm.